Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Trey from the W Group. Thank you so very much, Trey, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying this Leffy, Leffe. Leff, Leff, I don't know. If somebody knows how to pronounce it the correct way, I think it's Leff. Um, let us know. Yeah, if you do chime in and spell it out for us <laughs> on the Facebook page, how to actually pronounce this beer. Um, either way, it's good. I'm excited to get rolling with this. So what is the W Group, man? That's an amazing question, right? So the W Group. So the W Group with Keller Williams, uh, Greater Baton Rouge, we're a real estate team here locally in the Greater Baton Rouge market. Uh, I am now celebrating my uh, 10th year as of this month in the industry, so I'm, I'm extremely grateful. 10th year. 10th year. Okay. Extremely grateful uh, that I've made it this far. Most agents uh, fail in the first five years in the business, 85%, so it's a pretty high failure rate in our industry. So. Okay, so 10 years working for somebody else because the W Group is... Yeah, so has it been around for 10 years? No, no, it has not been around for 10 years. So okay. the W Group is a team, it's a real estate team with mm-hmm. Keller Williams, uh, Greater Baton Rouge, and um, we, uh, we help buyers, we help sellers, we help investors, we help builders, we help everyone. If we can assist you with any real estate needs, please let us know. Got it. Okay, so how did you get started in real estate? What made you want to go this route? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So was in the service industry for almost ten years. Um, went to LSU, graduated in two thousand seven. Just like most people, I got out of school and was trying to figure things out. So all through college, from two thousand one until two thousand in and out of the service industry until <laughs> almost two thousand ten. Okay. Uh, was in the service industry. Now I did have a couple stints. I sold telecommunication sales my right out of college. So uh, if anyone is curious what that is, it was phone and internet service to commercial buildings. So like Cox Business, very comparable. It was a company called Cavalier, big in the Northeast. I did that. I hated it. It really? was it was a grind, dude. It was uh, it was not. So was it was a door to door, or were you? Did you have prospects you could go to that were looking in, or was it just I'm going to everybody and everybody? Yeah, so it was more of a B two B type of sale. So okay. it was business to business. It was it was a lot of, a lot of knocking on doors. It was you know calling your sphere of influence or people you may know who own a business, and it was like, hey, who's your you know phone and internet provider? Um, we had T one line. So then almost ten years ago. Um, maybe a little over 10 years ago now, 13 years ago, uh, it was, we were one of the only companies with, uh, dedicated T1 lines and it was affordable. Okay. And then I got recruited from there to go sell office equipment. So copy machines, uh, digital, uh, uh digital office equipment, if you will. And that right. was, um, a job that I held for a while and it was the same, same kind of thing. It was a B2B deal and it was. You know, it was a lot of knocking on doors. It was a lot of a lot of gatekeepers. Uh, never anything I was really passionate about, but I was just really trying to figure it out. So uh, I'd always go back to the service industry. I worked at Cheese Cheesecake Bistro. Shout out to Cheesecake, Cheesecake Bistro. Bistro. So I, I worked at Roberto's River Road Restaurant yes. during high school. For awesome. those that are familiar, right off of River Road in Sunshine or St. Gabriel. I'm not sure where the border of them of their location and where the cities cross so service industry i got a little bit of a background in there myself so in the service industry for a long time and it was uh it was my crutch um it was something that i was really good at it was something that i could make uh i'm over here looking at this camera camera. (laughs) which whichever camera you want all three of them right right um 
it was just that it was a job that I, I really enjoyed. I was really good at. I could make. Uh, I knew what I was going to make, which was right. which is consistency. I really liked the consistency, and I had a. I know this is a really long winded answer, so bear with me. I, I love it. I love it. I had a lot of friends say, "Hey, man, you'd be really good at real estate," and I was like, "Man, I don't really know anything about real estate." Like, wow. Uh, so, I was. I've always been a very outgoing, personable person. I genuinely care about people, and I think that came out. I mean, even like if I waited tables, it was like I am going to give the diners the best experience that they've ever had right. in, in, in all of their life. I had massive amounts of regulars who would come in and see me, and it was, they, they knew what they were getting. It was a consistent experience every time, uh, and I was very proud of that. Uh, so I think my friends saw that, and they were like, you'd be pretty good at this. So a uh, guy named Tim Howe. The guy that I actually worked with. Tim Houck. Okay. Of Tim Houck Group? The Houck Group. All right. I, I thought it was Hook. I'm sorry, Tim. I thought it was Hook. Tim, <laughs> I appreciate the clarification there. Yeah. Tim Tim reached out to me and said, hey, man, I've got an opportunity. Um, I think you'd be amazing at real estate. I had already started taking the class to become an agent. And he, he said, look, how much are you making weekly in the service industry? And I, and I told him, I was like, look, dude, if you could pay me $400 a week, and I was also, we, we all put this together. I was a professional DJ. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to get into we're gonna, that. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into that. Okay, so I, I had an, an additional income from, uh, from, from my DJ uh, career, which, was, uh, which really helped me get into real estate, right? So I had, I had two incomes coming at the time. He said, look, I'll pay you 400 bucks. Be my assistant. We'll get you, we'll get you rolling. And then once I really started to, to get rolling as an assistant, it wasn't two months. I was an awful assistant. I mean, awful, awful, awful. Means to an end, right? Got my real estate license, became a buyer's agent with Tim, and that was in 2010. So October, which again, 10 years from this month, which is pretty yeah. pretty insane uh, to celebrate that. So, so can we, that's how I got started in the real estate business. Gotcha, and I've got a, a lot of avenues to dive into <laughs> within yeah. that single answer. So yeah. first and foremost, um, doing the service industry, that's like, for people who are in the service industry, people who are not aware of haven't even tried the service industry. It's sales, right? It's it's sales. It's sales. So you being in the service industry has kind of trained that sales mind, that methodical customer first mm -hmm. mindset and mentality that when you go into real estate, it just translates so well. Yes. And now you're in real estate. You've already learned how to care for these people by sure. being in the service industry. Now it's like, okay, just use those same skills in real estate. Just you're selling different products. That's right. hundred percent. And I think you can't, you know, your personality, it's, it's, it's not something you can fake, right? You're either a genuine oh, and sure. authentic person and you really care about other people or, or you don't, right? And if you don't, it's gonna become so relevant and so physically seen that it's gonna be crazy. Like if you, we walk in and you're having a bad night, I can tell from the second my server walks up to me right. if they're having a good night or a bad night. 100%. And that just goes into everything in life. Any person you interact with, for the most part, when the time you see them from the first second, you know, all right, they're having a good day or they're having a bad day. It's just how people walk. It's all just subconscious yep. that they do when they're having a bad day versus a good day. 100%. So, again, if, if you have the personality, and, and it's funny, we can get into this, but the majority of the agents on my team, we've all been in the service industry. And I think that's one of the things that's made a lot of, a lot of the agents really talented is, is they've had – I mean, again, when you're an, you're an agent and you're walk, I say an agent, when you're in the service industry, you're walking up to a table and you've never met these people, likely, right? Yeah, and, you've and, never, you have and no idea like, who they are. 
Hey, how's it going? My name's Trey. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be assisting you guys. I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be your server tonight. Mm. Uh, so it's like you know you have to be on all the time, and you have to make um, you have to build the rapport pretty instantly. And it, it, again, it's like that when we when we get a call, right, or or we meet a client somewhere. It's you, you've got to have the ability to to build that rapport instantly. So I yeah. think that's very important, especially with real estate, because within real estate you are with somebody for nine times out of ten that's the biggest purchase of their life biggest purchase it's of the their life biggest that's purchase right. of their life it's the most emotional purchase they're ever going to make it, for people that buy cars and that are car people i'm a car guy myself it's buying a car is one thing but buying a house is a whole different ball game it, you know for nine times out of ten it's the biggest check you're going to write at closing sure, absolutely if you're paying cash that's even the biggest check that's that right. you're probably cut in your lifetime and when you walk into a house or you walk into a piece of real estate that you're going to live there, you have to have that emotional connection. 100%. I know whenever I was looking for my house, I think we looked at eight different homes. Which which eight is insane. I wish uh, clients only looked at <laughs> eight homes. Uh, yeah, sometimes they look at lots, 30, 40. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that. We, right. we, looked at, we looked at eight and it gets to the point where you know which one's the one. Sure. Because you go look at, you know, we looked at six and then the seventh one we looked at, we were like, we love it. This is it. And then we look. We were like, we love it. You know, we really love everything this house has. We went to the eighth one, and we were just like, it's not. It's not nah, the seventh. No, not the seventh. And we was like, I told my wife, I was like, All right, let's just drive back around. Let's just get another look at it after right. we viewed it. We drove back around, and somebody was there for another viewing, and they were like peeking over the fence, trying to look there before the realtor showed up. I'm like, ah, oh, they're not living there. Let's no, buy it. That's mine. You're right. And so having that connection with your customer as a real estate agent is paramount because they have to trust you to provide the product that they're going to potentially raise a family in. You hope so, right? You, you hope so. Right. Or, or they're retired and now they're downsizing. So you're, or they already have kids and all that. But either way, they're going to spend a majority of their life in that household. They're going At least to, a, a third if yeah, they Seven to nine there. years seems to be um, the average amount of time that a person spends in a home okay. before moving. Obviously, that's probably more in the beginning when you first buy a home. And then as you, you know, you get further along in your life, you typically stay in a house uh, significantly longer. So yeah. I think my, my parents' first house, they stayed in for four or five years that they built the next house. They stayed in it for 27 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. it's crazy. But it so moving on from the, the, uh, the restaurant scene, you know, the, yep. the customer service scene, you were a DJ. I was, I was the DJ. Yes. So, all right, because there's so there's two definitions in my head of what a DJ is. Right. I I was a DJ and still do occasionally. I dabble with it, but we were a wedding and a dance DJ, mm -hmm. so, which means we just played music. Yeah, we didn't do all the mixing and all yeah. that stuff. So, which type of a DJ were you? The one that was mixing live on stage, or the one that was just pressing play and you know skipping yeah. on to the next song? Yeah. So I was I was the uh, I was the mixologist, right? Oh. Okay. I was uh, I was the guy on stage. Uh, I was mixing every track, blending, scratching, cutting, looping, um, you name it. You know, a lot of that we did live. Now, some of it was just as easy as, as blending, right? And, and right. Beat, beat match tracks. So tracks have what's called a BPM, so beats per minute. 
depends on how fast or how slow a track is. So I'll just educate some people in the DJ world. Um, <laughs> how fast it gets your heart. And every, yeah, I know, right? So the, right, the faster, so like electronic music may run 128 to 140 beats per minute where like your lower stuff would be like, um, you know, like a lot of hip hop tracks kind of sit in that 70 to maybe 80, 85 range. And then as they get a little bit faster, right, the BPM kicks up. So most importantly, when mixing, the, the tracks have to match um, beats per minute, number one. Um, there's other things that go into uh, into mixing. Um, you, you're usually dropping tracks on on the bass lines. Um, you know they have intros, they have outros. So you have to be careful not to mix like words over words. Uh, there's just a lot of strategy, looping, lots and lots of things. Again, not going to give you guys a DJ lesson, but I was always passionate. Wait, you didn't know this was a DJ lesson, right? Yeah, right. For the DJ background, oh. that's it. <laughs> we get a little. We'll, we'll try to cover everything, man. Make sure we have a lot. We have enough value for everyone, right? Right. 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 Um, but I'd always find myself in the in the nightclubs. I, I didn't like to dance. I was never like I just kind of liked to hang out. But I was more interested, more intrigued on what the DJs were doing behind the scenes, and just because they had so much influence on what happened uh, in in the, in the club, right? And they right. just were always they were cool. They were cool. They were the cool guys, right? Oh, so I wanted I wanted to be 100%. the cool guy, and that, right? And that's what I loved about it too. Was you're, you're, you're the behind the scenes, like the. I guess the the biggest show or whatever you want to call it that we did, which I'm sure is you know nothing compared to what you <laughs> did, um, was because we would do weddings and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you have 300 people there for a wedding, 400 people, but that it's like it's a wedding. It's a wedding. People are going there to dance. No disrespect, but it was. It's a wedding. It's a wedding. No, no, no. I know. I know. That's why when I say I say I'm a DJ, people are like, oh, you're gonna mix some tracks. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. No, hang, hang on. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Okay, yeah, that's it. I'm gonna yep. play the song. I'll make sure they blend well. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm watching the dance floor and I'm picking out the appropriate right. song, but I'm not sitting there mixing and doing my own. Like I'm not sitting yeah, there you, creating you, music. I'm playing music. You, you have to, to have maintain it. the people's rhythm. Yeah, you have which, to have an ear for music, right? Right. You got to have an ear for music, and you got to have an eye for what the people want. You got to give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. I agree. And so, in doing that, we did a like a surprise birthday party at the Varsity. That stage, I know you had like yeah. your. From what I understand, your show was at the varsity. That was that was my uh, elevate on Saturday nights was uh, was my night uh, that, for like two and a half years. So yes, that stage is awesome. Stage is amazing. That stage is fantastic. And so it was. It's me and my brother that that would do it, and he is kind of like you. Doesn't like really dance. Like he'll just sit there and like we'll play like the tracks and everything. But I'm like the one with the microphone, like walking around trying to pump everybody up. And I'm like, if, if I was just on my back here, I'd be like dancing and right. all that stuff. But we had to, we had that balance. You got to have the balance. So I was a little, you know, I, I would get on the mic every now and then. And, I, and I, you know, I would, I would definitely like, you know, I'd vibe, you know, I'd, right, I'd, I'd, I'd vibe, you know, but like, I'm not I just, I wasn't, I wasn't the, uh, the guy that would get on the mic and, and, and be the hype man of the show. I was, I was all about the music and I was all about making sure that we entertain people and uh, that everybody had an amazing time. So, yeah. And that then has now transposed into real estate. It has, yes. But before we get into the W Group and what that day to day sure. is like, I want to touch more on what I think people kind of undervalue, and that's being an assistant mm -hmm. to somebody. Sure. Being an assistant to whether it be a CEO, a business leader, being an assistant or even an intern for that matter, which uh, now Patty Gigio has an intern. Which is um, amazing. He has his own intern, by the way, guys. He just left. <laughs> he just, yeah, he had to roll. <laughs> so we have to first, put... First day on the job, and he already left. So <laughs> next time, if he listens to this or watches this, just know that we dogged him. Right, we, for sure. He'll watch it. Yeah, so if he doesn't... Um, but anyways, so being a an assistant or an executive assistant to somebody, you really learn so much 
Yeah, so I, I yeah, 100%. I tell people my story is uh, it's, it's the dishwasher to the executive chef, right? You, you've got to learn the business from the foundation. And um, I was very fortunate to, number one, start as an assistant. Number two, work on a team. I developed a lot of amazing disciplines in the, in the beginning that inevitably helped me um, have the amount of success I have today. I, I didn't know any better. I was extremely naive. I read a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. It said do A, B, C, and D systems, models, and processes. And I was like, cool, I can do this. There's a roadmap to my success. And, and I followed it. I didn't question it. I didn't, you know, I just said, cool, if this is what it says that I need to do to be successful, I'm, I'm look, do not try to create the, recreate the wheel. <laughs> right. Someone has been more successful than you and will be more successful than you. And they have left, they say it all the time, success leaves clues, right? right. So this, this book, right, was my, was my model and I followed it and quickly uh, became a buyer's agent for Tim and his team in my first year, 36, 33 or 36, this is 10 years ago, transactions. Uh, first year I was rookie of the year with Keller Williams, Red Stick Partners. Um, and then from there it was just a compound effect that's taken place and again, here we are 10 years and now I'm the CEO of my business and, and I'm running a, 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 pretty, um, a pretty amazing real estate uh, no, group. So. Absolutely, and it's when, when people you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk or not. Oh, Gary V, baby. So, and he preaches work for free, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, and that's when, when you're like, oh, I was, I was his assistant, just studying to like become a real, mm -hmm. a buyer's agent. That's right. Okay, that right there is what I feel like is kind of lost between mm -hmm. a lot of people because they don't, you know, if, when they go to college or they get their degree, they want to come out and they want to get paid X dollars. Everybody because wants to make a in, lot of money. In, in their mind, right out of college, that's what they should make. Sure. But in reality, it's like, no, you're, you know, you're, eight, you're like 20, you're right. 22, you know, you've got all the time in the world. So why don't you go, if you can work for mm -hmm. somebody for free, or like you said, 400 bucks be in a, to be an assistant, you know, sure. and it's bare minimum so you can learn mm -hmm. to then one day get to that point where now you're the CEO, the founder of your very successful firm. Mm -hmm. But people want to skip that step. Every, everybody wants, everybody wants to go from the start to the finish line and they don't, they don't want to crawl before they can walk in. Right. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know if it's the world that we live in now just because we're influenced by so many people and we see so much um, instant gratification, right? Social media. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, uh, I, I call it the on-demand economy, right? Everybody is, is just so used to getting what they want when they want it. There is no patience. So look, you want a, a package or you want to buy something on Amazon, you got Prime, two days, it's on your porch. Yeah, if it's not two days, if it's not next day, like I'm not right. You want to ride somewhere, Uber, Lyft, you want food delivered, waiter, you know, Uber Rabbit. Eats, yeah, all these places. So the world we live in, and I'm really glad we're talking about this, so we call it the on-demand economy. Um, what it's, it's, it's done is, is people have little patience, right? So moving into the real estate transaction, uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on this, on this, but people want it to happen really fast, but there's so many steps and there's so much that has to happen with financing and inspections and title work and uh, negotiations and, and, and mostly the financing piece is really what takes a long time. Not to mention it takes, takes some time to find the right house, right? Yeah, the one. The, the ones. And then it's a 30 to 45 day process. So that's the one thing that we're really working on as a team and something that I'm extremely passionate about is how do we make the process more efficient, more effective, um, and more transparent for the, for the clients, which is something we're all trying to figure that out in my industry. 
And um, it's, it's, it's very difficult because there's so much that is not in our control, meaning financing. Right. So if the buyer decides tomorrow that they wanna go out and buy a new car, right, which could totally jack up their debt to income ratio, right, <laughs> and, and keep them from no longer affording a home. I mean, it could be they were let go of it, you know, from their job or, or just whatever their financial situations changed. Uh, there's obviously inspections, right, which someone else owns the house. How well have they taken care of the house? We've had a lot of appraisals come in short here recently, and it's because the appraisers, they're extremely overwhelmed right now. So um, I'm not blaming appraisals, appraisers uh, for, for the appraisals coming in low, but we're in a market right now where there's super low inventory. There's a massive demand. Mm-hmm. Money's cheap. I was going to say, in, in my mind, I would think that the appraiser's going to come in way high. If money's cheap and you've got a low inventory, and that's supply and demand, it, the one, prices so, get higher. So you think and that's that's basic. That's econ- economics, economics one hundred and one, right? right? And that's and that's the problem we're we're seeing. Um, everything's contingent. Contingent on inspections. Contingent on appraisals. Contingent on financing. Contingent on everything. So we live in a pretty conservative, pretty like slow pace. And I say slow pace. I don't mean necessarily slow pace. But we're we're not. We don't live in a world where you're on the East Coast or West Coast or in one of these really desirable areas where like homes are going on and off the market super fast, no contingencies, so no inspections, no appraisal contingencies, people are paying cash. We're very, you know, people are financing 95% of the loan, they need their 12-day inspections, they're all contingent on appraisals, so where you would think the prices would start to rise, the appraisers are capping them out because there's not comps, right? that justify a higher cost. So appraisers are saying, eh, these are the houses that sold. This is the value. This is what somebody's willing to pay. So we're not seeing home appreciation like other parts of the world because of the financing contingencies, because of um, the appraisal contingencies, things like that. So yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting, but, but one is, would think. Because I, I, I had the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if you owned a home and you purchased it within the last two or three years and you were paying high interest rates, mm-hmm. whenever everything dropped this last two quarters and everything is super low for interest rate-wise, if you had the ability to finance, it was wise of you to do so. Absolutely. And depends so, on where your interest rate was before. Right. And it depends sure. on where your interest rate was before. And you yep. obviously consult your banker and all that. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a banker by any we're, means. We're not lenders. Yeah, we're not lenders. We're not approving any loans right. here. <laughs> but we're talking about our personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And so within mine, I did refinance my house and we got, you know, whatever it was off. Mm-hmm. But my appreciation within a year was crazy. Sig- significant. I was like, oh my gosh, like we went up. I want to say like 20% in the mm-hmm. value of our home. That's insane. And I'm like, how, like, how did that go up within just a year with this happening? Like my banker called me. He was like, dude, he was like, you're, yeah, so, so, way up so than we thought. Fortunately for you and you live in an area um, where there's not as much of a cap. So if you live in certain neighborhoods, there's usually, there's a, there's a cap for a price per square foot. But when you live in neighborhoods like mid city and the garden district, uh, Glenmore clay cut, Country Club, broad like, uh, so like right um, Broussard, right where I'm at, right where you're at. Like, there's no caps. Uh, Capital Heights might get 185 to 200 plus a foot. You know, some of these other places may go north of 200. Old Goodwoods north of 200. It's it's insane. But if you're in a neighborhood where there's, let's just say there's, I don't know, two or three hundred homes. I'll use like Spring Lake Fairhill where there's almost a thousand homes. Eight, probably eight nine hundred homes. Probably maybe even closer to a thousand. Their price per square foot. The houses are 
in Fairhill are a little bit bigger, but the ones in Spring Lake, three bedrooms, two baths, anywhere between probably 15 and maybe 17, 50, 1800 feet. They all kind of range depending on what improvements they made. But I mean, they usually hit a ceiling and that ceiling might be in the, you know, 160s to low 160s a foot where there's no really ceiling where you are. So it depends, it depends where you are and what's happening and what the activity is and how desirable um, those neighborhoods are. So yeah, and it it makes sense, you know, where, where we're at mid city, the garden district, that whole area is just starting to blow up. With Which, economic development of new businesses being open. Oh, yeah. And the population, the young, I feel like the younger crowd is moving that way. It's it's probably one of, if not the only, uh, Baton Rouge doesn't have any real true urban lifestyle or real urban living where things are walkable. I'd say Mid-City, it's, Capitol it's, Heights is probably the closest thing that we have to like a real urban Yeah, I mean, lifestyle. we can, from my house, I could walk to like government taco yeah Cody. yeah when it opens um i can walk to government taco if i wanted to mm-hmm. but it's a bit of it's a bit of a walk yeah, yeah for know? sure it's not going to be i'm not going to leave my superior grill no, florida lee all those places right there on government close to jefferson yeah it's pretty much walking distance from my house yeah but to see somebody walking from my house to there right People look at you and like, why are they walking? Why are they walking? Like, why is like who, who in Baton Rouge walks anywhere? Even even riding bikes, they bash me. Right. Like, I'll be going down Claycut, which for those that aren't aware, it's, there's a bike painted on the road. I can ha- I can, we can share ha- the you road. Can actually, we share the yeah. road. We can actually bike there, but everybody hates it. Right. My like, we are so not welcoming <laughs> to alternative means of transportation. No in the man, city. it's crazy. The urban lifestyle here is is really non-existent. But yes, it is a desirable place to to live. There's a lot of people moving over there, and it is appreciating in prices. But if we're looking at like the market as a whole, so Greater Baton Rouge as a whole, it's a pretty conservative two to three percent appreciation. Years like this, we might see somewhere between you know three and five percent appreciation for the most part. But it, but what's good is we don't typically we won't see a bubble like two thousand eight, the crisis, right? The housing crisis. There was a massive amount of inventory available. There was obviously the bubble. They were giving mortgages away to anyone who had a pulse. No doc loans. That's it was a completely true. different world that we live in today. Regulations are significantly tighter. Right now, inventory levels were at probably three months, right at three months in the entire greater Baton Rouge market, which means it's a significant seller market. So, so what, what does that mean for so that means LA if, people? What yeah, does three so, months market mean? Yeah, so that means if no other houses came on the market, it would only take three months to absorb all of the inventory. Okay. So anything, so the picture... Six months is kind of the, 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 the break-even point, right? So that's So anything south of three months is a seller's market. Six months would be considered a neutral market. Anything above six months is considered a buyer's market. Gotcha. So we're talking economics 101. Seller's market, there's low supply, high demand. Neutral market at six months, there's enough demand to meet the supply. Uh, and then when you go north of, uh, of six to seven, we're really anything north of, of six months, now there's more inventory than there is actual demand. So what happens is depreciate, and I won't really say depreciation happens, but list to sale price ratio means we listed a house at, I'll just use $200,000, and we ended up having to negotiate three to 5% off the list price, where in a seller's market, it's actually 98% list to sale price right now, which just means most sellers are negotiating 2% off list price. You get into a seller's market, and, or a buyer's market, excuse me, you're looking at sellers, they're gonna just negotiate off their sales price a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So with within all of this, you you've got, you know, this vast knowledge of real estate. So what made you want to make the jump 
from being in a comfortable position of working for somebody, doing essentially anything you wanted to, what made you want to make that jump? Yeah, so you, you hit a ceiling um, sometimes. Some people hit a ceiling. I won't say everybody hits a ceiling. It's really how much ambition you have, and I have a massive, I have a massive amount of ambition. I've been influenced by a lot of people. Uh, I've been in real estate coaching now since man for a long time, as, as long as probably two thousand. I want to say twelve or thirteen is when I hired my first real estate coach. So when you when you hire a real estate coach or you start to spend time with people who are who are producing at a at a significantly higher level than you, the question comes up: All right, how how number one, how are they doing it? Number two, if they can do it. Why can't, why can't I do it? And again, depending on what your ambition levels are, and I'll tell you, 2016, um, and not to get too, too personal, but I'll get a little personal on this deal. 2016 was probably uh, one of the best years of, of my life financially. I was a solo agent at the time, and then I hit a ceiling, as, meaning I, I, there, I couldn't possibly do more business without it starting to affect my quality of life. 16 was an amazing year and they always talk about the j curve yeah. so i decided i wanted to start a team because this is what everybody was doing you hit the ceiling and it's like all right i gotta i gotta i gotta leverage i need a team i need more people i got all these leads i got all these opportunities but like i can't so like who can work you're with one, me you're one person there's 24 hours in a day that's right so i had an assistant and it was me and then we hit a ceiling i did 113 transactions that year uh several of those transactions were, were a big development we put together um but, but regardless, uh, it was crazy and it was great financially. I still did have a pretty pretty solid life at the time, but I was I, I knew the next step for me was to build a team. So 2017 started a team, and I and I hit the J curve. And they say the J curve, you find yourself when you're starting a team in the valley of the J curve. And I found myself in the <laughs> valley of the J curve. You found I the depths I, of the valley. Oh, the depths of the valley and um i made man, it was it was an amazing year in the sense of i learned a lot i was just like value 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 everybody on my team i'm gonna give y'all all of even my opportunities and i'm just gonna be the ceo of this thing and run it and then i realized pretty quickly um i didn't make very much money uh in 2017 2017 and, and my wife and i decided we were gonna go build an expensive house uh in the preserved harvesting and and um anyways all of this, everything happens for a reason. That's everything right. is amazing. That's right. But what I learned was I had to hold my agents to a high level of accountability. So inspect what you expect, right? So I learned a lot uh, in 2017, and then it's been a, it's been a great growth. So 18 was was good. 19 was good. Was really good. 20 is is great. And I have and look again. Shout out to to my team, to the W Group, shout out to, I mean, my amazing clients and everyone who has made this possible. But there was a lot of growing pains along the way and I learned a lot. And one of the biggest things I probably learned through this entire process was, again, if I expect to be at a certain level, I expect my team members to have the same motivation, the same drive, the same standards, the same culture. And I expect it. And I'm not, again, sometimes people are motivated differently. Well, I say sometimes, Absolutely. all the time. All the time. Everybody has different motivations. I learned a lot about motivation, about drive, about what's important to people. And through all of this, I have become a better coach. I have become a better leader. 
I have realized that I've, I've really got to spend a lot of time with my, my team members and find out exactly what it is that does motivate them, that drives them. And what's really, really important and how can I help them achieve those goals? Um, and when I turn that mindset around, things really started to change in my industry, right? And I say in my industry, in my business. And we've attracted organically an amazing team. And I am like extra like if, if there's a word that I use for 2020, I know a lot of people, it's not what I'm about to say, but I'm extremely grateful. Same. Yes. Uh, it's, it's been a year. You, you learn a lot of really, um, you learn that look life. Number one, it's short, right? Right. Number two, there's some pretty important things. Uh, my wife and my children are my why, right? That they, they are the reason that I do what I do. Um, they make it really easy for me to be ambitious because where I grew up and how I grew up, my parents were amazing. I had a great support system. My parents were very complacent, very content. And, and I just, you know, I was influenced by some other things. And I wanted other things. And, yeah. um, and I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to use that as a, as a driver for me. And, uh, and again, I couldn't do it. I, I give shout out to my team all the time because, you know, without them, I'd, I'd probably be running You'd around. you still get the cap, right? Man, I, I would be ceiling. And now there is no ceiling. And um, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And I love that, being able to realize how far you've come and have an appreciation for those around you that made it possible. For sure. You know, so one of the, one of the big reasons why I wanted to, after I discovered and learned about you, was get you on the show, was what I saw being so different from a lot of real estate firms. And realistically, a lot of businesses in general in the Baton Rouge and Louisiana area, we're kind of shy and we kind of hide away from trying new forms of marketing. Sure. You know, unless you've got a marketing agency that's pushing you to do certain things and they're doing probably a great job if you're paying for them. If not, probably reevaluate that. Yep. Um, but within that, you have vlogs, you've got social media videos, you've got, you're, you're all over social media in the sense of capturing moments. You're not sitting there trying to create this interesting conversation. You're not trying to create your documenting. Mm -hmm. You're documenting the process. You're documenting your day, your life, and the transactions and the deals and the meetings your team has. And having that from my perspective and what I've seen in the social media world and kind of the experience I've got in that avenue is how powerful it is. I mean, just sitting here and looking at the setup that your guy came in, you know, Lewis came and just rocked this. And seeing the setup that he brought in for this was like, okay, this is not a real, this is not, <laughs> this is not a real estate office. This is like a marketing or a PR firm. That yeah. like, oh, we got to capture this interview. Yeah. But he walks in, he's like, no, man, that's what we do normally. This is, that, this is how we do it. It's set up and it's how it's, and how it's done, mm -hmm. but it's not how everybody else does it. So what made you, you know, let's first start off with how did you see that? Yeah. So. Uh, Tom Ferry, who is uh, my mentor, I was a business coach. Uh, Tom Ferry, if for those who, who don't know him, which if you're not in the real estate world, you, you probably don't know who he is, but Tom Ferry is the number one uh, real estate coaching company and coach on the planet. And I was influenced uh, by Tom. Tom is a good friend of mine. I know him personally, uh, and I'm grateful for his relationship and his influence over me. And all we kept talking about for the last, I'd say probably three years, was just video, video, video. And uh, the funny thing is, man, is I went out and bought all this equipment. I bought 
a DSLR camera. I bought the lenses. I bought the um, the lapel mics and that recorders. And I didn't have a freaking clue on how to use <laughs> any of them. And I was like, I'm going to be self-taught. And I thought to myself, I'm like, after three years of buying the equipment, I have more stabilizers. I have DJI Osmo Pocket. I had a, a Canon um, 70D, you know, camera, DSLR camera. And dude, it would just sit in the freaking box or the bag and nothing would ever happen. And I realized, right, you always hire to your weaknesses. I'm not a videographer. I'm not a, um, I'm a pretty technical person, but when it comes to like creativity and things like that. Mixologist on the ones and twos, right? But not on the, not in, <laughs> not in the video world, right? Right. So I realized the only way to ever achieve my vision was I had to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for the longest time, I did. I told my team, and I'm like, "Do we hire a marketing director? Do we hire a full time videographer?" And everybody looked at me like my vision was crazy. They're like, no, we're not hiring a full-time videographer. We're going to somebody to do our marketing and our media. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I have a vision. Mm-hmm. And I know what my vision is. I just can't articulate my vision. Right. Louis Kobetz is, he's, he's behind the camera. He, you guys can't see him, but Louis has completely changed the game for us and how we deliver content. The crazy thing is, is he'll tell you we first met and it was like, it was like we, we both realized he was in a place in his life. He was a PE teacher at Dutchtown and he was struggling during COVID because he didn't want to go back to, to teach. And I don't know if I'm sharing too much, Lewis, or not. You can shake your head yes or no. And Marcy, Mar from my team, I said, I'm looking for a videographer. I got to tell the story because it's so good. Do it. Go, go. Uh, uh, Marcy, Marcy's like, I know a guy. I used to babysit him. I've seen some of his videos. He's a he's a videographer. And I he's said, decent. He's decent. I said, I said, call him and 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 let's talk to him. And if anybody knows me, knows I'm intense. And I, when I do, when I got something that I'm excited about, like there ain't no stopping me. I'm all in. And I'm probably not going to do a whole lot of due diligence. I'm just in. And we're going to figure this shit out. You're you're, you're jumping feet first. I'm I'm, finding the floaties on the way. Dude, let's let, I don't know how deep the water is, but I'm, I'm jumping in the deepest part of, of the ocean. Right. Uh, so I met Lewis and I'll never forget. We, we met each other and we had a conversation. It was extremely informal. Um, and we just talked about vision, culture, um, in, in kind of where he was and in what direction he wanted to go in. And I said, listen, I don't think I can afford you. Uh, but I said, I, I, we're going to make this happen. So do a proposal and let's figure out how we can make this happen. How can we make this a win-win? You can st- stop teaching and you can come and do what you're passionate about and you can help us. And maybe two or three days later he came back we had a proposal i was scared shitless dude i was like i don't I, honestly yeah i don't know how don't i can know. afford this guy um but i know this is the right thing to do well and so in doing that so for people that are thinking about doing this when you go to make this hire mm-hmm. you have to know that you can't directly link him back to a sale i called tom ferry yeah and i said tom i need some advice and he said what's up man i said 
I really want to hire a videographer. I met with somebody. I think he's amazing. I think he's going to be great for us. Mind you, right? Keep this in mind, guys. I never saw one piece of content this guy ever put out. <laughs> that just blows me away. First I just had, dude, I had this gut feeling and I, and I could see him and he fit every piece of the culture that we were looking for. And I just, he was so genuine and so authentic. And I was like, I freaking like this dude. Hey, like this guy is amazing. He's going to be an amazing fit for this team. And I said, I don't know how, how to do it. So I said, Tom. Dude, I need some advice. And, and I said, how do you measure? Because tr we track and measure everything, dude. I am a, a, a monster. They'll tell you, dude, can, my team, my team account, is probably like, dude, we track KPIs on everything. For KPIs, who do, people don't know what that is, key performance <laughs> indicators, meaning how many calls did you make, how many people answered, how many appointments did you go on, how many contracts did you write? Like, and I said, Tom, I said, how do you track a videographer and the return on your investment? And he said, Trey, how do you track this? Hey man, I see you everywhere. I said, good point. I said, so what do I do? He said, you hire him. So the next, I don't know if it's the next day, two days later, Lewis comes back in, he gives me the proposal and I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know, I'm gonna do this. But I said, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. We're gonna figure this out. So we, we, we came up with a number and I gave him some, some flexibility to do some things that would help him. And I said, I promise you, if you stick with me, and you let me teach you the business, your life is going to change. And I told him that. And, and uh, anyways. He's still he, here, so. Well, he's still here. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you some things that have come out of this since. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So he came in here, and it was a Monday morning. And he's like, brings his whole gear in here. And I'm like, damn, you got some shit with you. And he rolls out, and he's outside, and he's, he's taking some, some B-roll, inevitably, of the building and, and different things. And he, and he co comes in here, and we have a Monday morning meeting every Monday. And then he filmed the meeting, and then he, he went back in the, in the office and edited it. And, dude, we had the content by the end of the day, and he put it out, and I'm like, I, I had this, this feeling when I saw that. Because it's like, you can't articulate something, but when someone delivers on your vision, it's like, holy shit. This is amazing. And everyone on the team saw that video and they were like, this is gonna be special, Yeah. right? Um, so we knew instantly. Again, I knew connection-wise that we had uh, just the two of us just, just talking and just, you know, just having a one-to-one -one that he fit culture. And I was like, if this guy is as cool as he is and he can produce, like if he can just be himself on the camera, like, and do that, he's gonna be amazing. I didn't, I just trusted my gut. And he delivered on a level of like a 10, dude, like a 12. Um, he's, he's, he's crushed it. So uh, very grateful for, for Lewis. Absolutely, and that's, when, you're, when you make that decision, you can't say, you know, oh, Lewis is gonna directly make 10 or 12 sales. But it's that, oh my gosh, I trust you because I've seen you everywhere. It's putting your company out there first and foremost that people can look at it, they can listen, and you're not going to get, you know, your whole, you're not, you're not going to sit there and just put up a camera and record your whole Monday meeting. Sure. You're going to make it creative and he's going to make it his own. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to post that. And it's going to be attractive. Sure. Making it, you know, look pretty, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. And people are going to just bombard that content and absorb it. And I feel like Baton Rouge, <clears throat> excuse me, is a perfect market, a perfect opportunity for creators to come in find a business that isn't present on social media yeah. that doesn't have the presence of this documented content to then be distributed across these platforms and blow it up yeah so so in our in our world right 
people have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. Right. So if they see enough of you, and you can build rapport without ever meeting these people that are like, man, I know you and I like you. Because we have a certain culture, right? And we have, we, we, we gotta we, trust people, man. We, we draw in a certain buyer and a certain seller. And we have, dude, we have 11 agents, 12 agents on the team. We have uh, four, four or five full-time um, staff. I say staff, you know, admin type positions. And everybody's different. Right. But everybody has that. They fit our culture really, really well. So we know we're going to attract some people and we're not going to attract people. But I only want to attract the people who are going to fit within our tribe. And that's what we're doing. Our goal is, is we're building our tribe right now. And again, it's an extreme value proposition when we go to buyers and sellers or especially sellers. And they're like, well, how are you going to market our house? Good question. Let me show you. Yeah. And then people see the content. And they're like, holy crap. You guys are doing something that no one else is doing. So yeah. the goal is, is number one, we want to educate people, right? We want to educate people on the process of buying, selling, and investing in real estate. That's, that's number one. Number two, we want to show people who we are, right? This is our personalities. This is our culture. Do you like us? Do you not like us? This is what you get, right? Yeah. We can't mask this, this, that. This, this, is, this is, especially when you're, so when you're out there and you're in the social media, yeah. you can't hide who you mm-hmm. are. Because if somebody comes and meets you in person, and for if they, you know, again going back to full circle here, meeting that person for the first time in a split second, you know if it's good or a bad day. Yep. If I come and meet you and I know you're full of it, right. The first thing I'm gonna do is go to the platforms you're on and say, everybody, hey, look, he's full of it. Right. He's full of it. He's That's full right. of it. He's not who he is on behind the camera. He's not the real person. Like it's a it's a facade. For sure. You know they're putting they're putting something on just for the sake of social media. Yep. And. People can they, they worry in that regard because they are putting themselves out mm-hmm. there. But you're also I view it as you are trying to get for whatever you're doing, you're trying to get in front of your customer. That's right. You're trying to get in front of as many customers as you possibly can. Hundred percent. Going back again to not invent not reinventing the wheel. Where are the customers? What are your customers doing in their day to day lives and how can you reach them there? So they're consuming content on social media. So whatever platform they're on, if they're what, on whatever platform they're on, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, we would love to. So if you're watching, subscribe to our YouTube channel and the Patty G Show channel. And the Patty G Show channel, we would love to. Uh, so we want to build. So we want to build our brand, right? And we want right. to be on the platform. So we know not everybody's going to be on Facebook. Our our best channel, and we get the most engagement, is on Facebook. Yeah, it's um, been around the longest. It, it has in, my for the way people absorb content. Sure, in my my. You know, my network is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Instagram is slowly growing. YouTube is taking us the longest time to have any sort of influence or, or really impact on. And it's um, there's a huge opportunity there, and we know that. So we're trying to to get there, but uh, it's just going to be consistency on on what we what we're posting, yeah. um, how often, right? How good is the content? So we're really like we have. We have so many different series. So, I mean, we just we just filmed with Ty Larkins, who's an interior designer, and it's all about trends, right? It's all about interior design trends. It's all about decor trends. Uh, I'm going to be meeting with builders. We're going to be going over builder trends. We're meeting with um, like Chris Clare with Stone. We're talking about like what kind of like cabinets and uh, our countertops and flooring. Like what's what's really popular and what are the trends? So right now for us, it's all about education, right? We educating them. Number one, we're, we're letting, you know, number two, we're letting them know, look, we are the experts in this industry, right? We are constantly keeping our thumb on the pulse. I do a market report 
every month. I can tell you months of inventory absorption rates. We can talk about days on market. We can talk about new listings, pending contracts sold. Like we know because yeah. we, we are dedicated to keep our thumb on the pulse of everything real estate in the greater Baton Rouge market. And, and we yeah, want people to lean on to. us because we are the experts. So this was a vision. The vision is coming to life. We're just getting started. I love that. Like it is, we brought Lewis on in July, July 1st. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the real estate market is absolutely bananas. But we're just getting started. There's going to be a massive amount of content. And we've, we've talked about, Ryan Serhan is, is someone who has a lot of influence on me. And Ryan Serhan has developed a media company. Mm -hmm. You know, Ryan realizes that through his millionaire, um, uh, the, what is it? The, why am I blanking? Um, million Dollar Listing, New York. So he, he has this massive influence from TV. He's got a much bigger influence on social media significantly bigger oh. and he realizes how much impact he can have on buyers and sellers and so he started a media company so i talked to lewis i'm like all right lewis start a media company let's lewis. start a media company <laughs> and um man he's had some amazing opportunities he's working with batner's general he's working with uh he's working with some some people and and it's again all from the content that he produced with inside of our company yeah that's being absorbed by people in uh, on all channels. And it's like everybody, like I get texts all the time. Who's your videographer? Is he for hire? No, he's not <laughs> for hire. <laughs> Maybe. Um, not if you're in the real estate business. But I get it all the time and people, so people are talking about it, they're seeing it, which is which is really, really cool to hear that, that we are um, we are having some influence and some impact. I love that man. with our with our content so dude and that's there's so much there's so many people in the world you can't create too much content Gary you can't Gary put V out too much content he said what 100 pieces a day which is insane uh, Gary cards a day holy smokes on, on a good day I put out like maybe eight right and I'm and I'm and we're and trying I'm, and I'm counting stories right 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 right, right, right. I'm counting everything eight, yeah eight cards we're, a day we're uh and that's our goal. Our goal right now is we've already built out our entire marketing calendar for 2021, but we're going into like daily, like how many stories are we doing daily? How many Instagram posts are we doing daily? How many Facebook posts? And we have a, a and again, you have to have a system behind. Yeah. So we have a testimonial Tuesday. We have, you know, Tiger Tuesday. Um, we've got these different series that we have lined up, but the goal is, is we want to have a piece of content to, to, you know, good, relevant, new content almost daily. Yeah, and you, you have to. And I mean, we could we could spend, I'm sure, hours talking about social media and the content. Yeah. And that's maybe maybe round two. Maybe round two. Um, but to kind of start to wrap up the show. If you guys I, will have me have me back. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I have no idea where our time is, but right. anyway, I've got a feeling we're somewhere around the fifty fifty two. Oh, it's two minutes off. This that's is, pretty this good. Is two minutes, two minutes of me fumbling around with the, yeah. with, the, with the gear. Let's 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 chalk it up to that. Yeah, that's perfect. So to start to kind of wrap up the show, what I mean, you've done hospitality, you've done DJ, you've mm -hmm. done work for somebody's an assistant. You're yeah. now you're a CEO of a very successful real estate firm. What are three lessons that you've gathered throughout your journey? Yeah, that's an amazing question, and I'll try to keep Thank it you. to Thank just. You. Thank you. I'll I'll try to keep it to to just three. Um, Number one, and you, you guys have heard this all the time, like if you don't know why 
you're doing something. If you don't have something that motivates you, it drives you, it pushes you on the days that you don't want to do it, you've got to dig deep and find that why. And num- number one A, <laughs> please do not do it for someone else. Meaning, uh, don't keep up with the Joneses. Don't try to be somebody you're not. What is your real passion? What does success mean to you? And, and follow that. So for me, you know, look, I want a house in 30A or a second home in 30A, right? I love the beach. I love to be outside. That's where I want to be, right? To me, that's success. I have my house here. I have a second house there. And I can take a month to two months out of the year where I go in and just enjoy life. Right. Like, I don't need to live in the most expensive house. I don't need to mo- have the most expensive car, drive, wear the most expensive shit. Like, I, that's not you important. Got, you got holes in your shoes. I got, I mean, my, my, my loafers, I'm wearing these suckers out. Cole Hahn, by the way. Um, shout out. Dude, shout out to Cole Mikey. Hahn too. Steve Madden. Mine? Yeah. Only because I read the bottom of them. Mother, mother loafers are uh, <laughs> Dude, and, and by the way, shout out, not to get off these three questions, yeah, yeah, but shout yeah. out to Mikey Nelms for, uh, for, for, for the connection. Yeah, Mikey, thank you for that. If you're um, watching, appreciate it. If you're not, uh, why not? Right. Uh, number two, consistency is the most important thing. So whatever it is that you do, right? The compound effect. If anybody believes in the compound effect, Darren Hardy, the compound effects book, just like compound interest and just anything, any little things you do over and over and over and over again consistently will create a, a massive amount of momentum. Right. So I'm a big, big believer. Find out what it is that you, that really, really, really motivates you and drives you and you're really passionate about. Number two, what consistently can you do to achieve those goals and just do the little things over and over and over and over again and uh until they they compound um over time uh the third thing is uh there's two things that you can control and it's your effort and it's your attitude okay um i no specific order in any of these things but again you can control your effort you can control your attitude those are two things that you absolutely 100 percent you just have to take accountability to yourself um, if there were a, th- a fourth, and I said the word accountability, right? like a, having a coach or an accountability partner, someone that will tell you, dude, you're sucking shit right now. You really need to, to step it up, man. And I love you and I care about you. So I'm going to tell you, yeah. you need to crank it up, man. Somebody who can be real with you. Somebody who can be real with you, man. Yeah. When Because the problem is, is everybody wants to be friendly all the time and everybody's afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. And we live in a world today where like no one wants to get their feelings hurt and everybody's a wimp. Um, I shouldn't say everybody's a wimp, but somebody's (laughs) going to take that the wrong way. So forgive me for saying that, but you you guys get what I'm saying, right? Like have some accountability, hold yourself to a high standard and man, control your attitude, control your effort. And, and man, I think if you just follow those few steps, you can have a tremendous amount of success. Yes, that's nailed it right on the head. Um, so, what is something that you did as a kid that you would wish to do today had nobody stopped you? Yes, yeah, a good question. I, mean, I, I think a lot of us kids. I was a very athletic kid in, in growing up. I, I played basketball, baseball, football my entire life. Um, I was good. <laughs> I was really good, but yeah. I was not great. 
Uh, I was never one of those guys that was knocking on like the Division One scholarships right, and anything right, that right. I did. Same so, shocking, so when when you think about like, if you ask me, I mean, I graduated from LSU uh, with a, a general studies degree, communication, business, and technical sales. And if you'd have told me in 2007 that I would sell real estate and I would run a real estate team today, I would have told you you're crazy because it just wasn't in, it wasn't something I was passionate about, but I am passionate about business. I'm passionate about people and I'm passionate about coaching and helping people find and really like, what is your, um, what are you capable of? Right. right. Like what's. What, Let me, what, what are your limits? Yes. What What are you less, limiting less, yourself less, to? Right. Less, what are your limiting capacity. beliefs? Yeah. Let's 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 knock those walls down and let's Let's see where we can where we can take this. And I had a lot of limiting beliefs when I was younger because I didn't come from a wealthy family. I didn't have a bunch of money. I didn't like. I didn't have this crazy education. I'm a public school Livingston Parish guy, mm-hmm. right? And I think. I had a more of a fixed mindset when I was young. And again, not to get on like books, but Carol Dweck, Growth Mindset, amazing book, realizes that like you're capable of whatever you want to do. You can learn anything. You just got to you just got to work at it. Yeah. You just got to put the time in, put the effort in and make it happen. Yes. Yeah, so I probably didn't answer the question like That's, you asked it. But sports um, is what yeah, you're, I mean, you're, sports, trying to, yeah. you're trying to get to the, the sports. Well, yeah. So I didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't make it in sports. I went but to, so, so what sport would you have played? Today, I was, if you no one stops you. Man, I was really good at I was the best at basketball because I was I was tall yeah, and I was a good number three shooting guard. Um I wasn't bad at baseball, but I didn't have the size. Then if you look at me now, everybody's like, Did you play football in college? And I'm like, No, I just like to work out. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what um what do you like most about Baton Rouge? That is a Really, really good question. LSU football is is ranking now this year. Hey, it's a it's a rebuilding year. Hey, our right? quarterback after last game, TJ Finley was slinging that ball around. Boy, That's he's uh, he's gonna be good. We're gonna look. LSU is gonna gonna be fine. Um, they had a lot a lot of big shoes to fill. A lot of, a lot of coaches left. A lot of players left. Uh, I love I love LSU football. I love obviously what most people love is the food, the drinks. The people, it's hard to find people that are so genuine and so authentic and so incredibly just just cool uh, here. So, I mean, look, I love it. Born and raised here. I've never left. I've always had this, like, desire and passion to, to go somewhere else. But at the end of the day, and I tell my wife all the time, I get to, I'm fortunate enough to travel a lot because of what I do. And I always come back and I'm like, man, it's so good to be home. Agreed. Aside from the weather, if it was just a little cooler. <laughs> well, I mean, we're right now we're having a hurricane. Oh, but. it is, dude. <laughs> By the way, when you guys are watching this, yeah. Hurricane Zeta. Zeta. So you're, when you're listening to this next week on the podcast <laughs> or whenever you listen to this, well, right now we're going through Hurricane Zeta. I know the shutters aren't being blown off the house. I don't even think it's raining. There's no big wind. We had discussions about postponing this, but I told him, I said, no, let's wait. Baton Sorry, Rouge has, has scathed 29 hurricanes. Yes, in, in, in 2020. 2020. I think we can make another one. We can make another one. So for one final question for yep. you, what can I do to help you? Dude, thank you for being here, by the way. Um, oh, you're welcome. Being here and introducing me to your network is huge. I hope also you guys get introduced 
to Patty G, Patrick Grimion. What's happening? Not Grimillion. <laughs> for those non-Southern non <laughs> folks. Um, I mean, honestly, dude, look, I, you and I share a passion for networking, for connecting people, for providing value. So the fact that you're here, uh, that, you, again, you're introducing me to your network, I hope that I can reciprocate with you and introduce you to my network. And I think that you and I, as a team, um, and I think that I think it's going to be pretty fun, man. I think I we're going to so be able too. to help each other out a lot. That's what that's one of the, the more exciting things about doing this show is I'm meeting all these incredible people and saying, like, well, now that we've just met each other, we, right. we, we just we just wrote the title. We should hang out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We should hang out and drink some beer, and, right? And, and I don't know if Randy Babin is watching this or not, but I posted the story of us setting up the, <laughs> the brother, deal. Randy Babin is my brother-in-law for those. Brother-in-law uh, who went to um, dental school with a good friend of mine, Josh Parker. And he's like, what? Dude, that's my brother-in-law. So anyways, the world is small. It gets smaller. We're all six degrees of separation, right? So Randy, if you're watching, man, shout out. Good to see you, man. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the reply. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Trey, so much for coming on the yeah, show, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And thank you um, for taking care of all the videoing and getting everything right, Lewis. I mean, that makes a, a big difference. Lewis, there's Lewis behind up. the scenes making it happen. He just gave us a thumbs up. Absolutely. So for everybody on Facebook, everybody listening to the podcast, or whatever platform you're hearing, seeing, or listening to this, or watching this, thank you. And be sure to subscribe to the Patty G YouTube channel. Subscribe to the W Group YouTube channel. Check us out on all social media platforms. In the show notes, there will be links, so don't hesitate to tap them. And a follow, a like, and a share is just something that takes like a split second of your life but can impact ours in the long run. So thank you all so very much. I'm Patty G here with the W Group and Trey. Y'all have a good night. Thanks. Thanks, guys.